You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. I'm Vince Orlando here with our guest, Alexis. And uh, what you guys have read, I, I already know a lot of a lot of you already know that Alexis is coming on and we're expecting to have a, a, a nice back and forth. But uh, Alexis is a, uh, a uh, anti-racism educator, among other things. But uh, while I'm setting this up, do you want to give a, a little intro to what you do, who you are? So what I do um, as a passion is help restore love to the oppressed. And what that means is people who have been oppressed and marginalized are traumatized and internal trauma that has gone on for generations has different affects and personality dispositions that go along with it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of help people restore and get back to their truly authentic self. In addition, my anti-racism education uh, is focused on white women who acknowledge and understand that systemic racism is a problem and want to do the inner work to become an actively authentic ally. That's strong. That's strong. And it's, uh, it's necessary um, in today's racially, you know, I don't want to say racially divided climate, Um it's it it it's a racially divided climate it feels very divisive but there's there's some some powerful forces that are pulling that division um the reason i wanted to have you on today is you know we were uh you made a comment in a post that i made about um you said black people can't be racist because of the power structure Mm -hmm. and i and in my definition of race not mine you know um oxford definition of racism um was different but after I talked to you, I started reading different definitions of racism. And, and, you know, there's, in my opinion, there's uh, way too much left open for interpretation um, from Oxford to Webster to, um, to Wikipedia. That's um, a part of the problem. Yeah. And <laughs> I feel this is a term that um, if, if anything should be agreed upon, it's what is it, you know, from my, my opinion and what, not my opinion, but what I've always understood stood it to be. And let me be clear. And I don't know if this happens now in schools, but nobody ever taught us what the term racism was. We understood it um, when we were taught about segregation and and slavery and things like that. But the term racist was never, there was never a class on racism. So that was never, it was just implied what that was. So you could think of it in various different ways, but I've always understood it to be racism itself as an individual act. Um, it's an individual act against another race, um, usually involves antagonism um, in, in a belief system where one race is superior over the other. And it doesn't take a system for an individual to believe that my race is more superior than this race or that race. So when you said that, you talk, you were talking, what, what I interpreted was systemic racism, which is another thing. Um, but you want to expand on that? Well, what's an ism, Vince? Well, there's lots of isms. <laughs> right. Of, it's a system. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a set of rate, Exactly. Rate. It's a system. So yeah. if sexism is a system, ableism is a system. It's this idea that a system will make one thing higher than the other. Right. So when I look up ism, it says a distinctive practice, system, or philosophy, typically a political ideology or an artistic movement. So yes, you can be 
Like you can, an individual, there are overt racist, right? But racism is a system. And frankly, I don't even like the term racism. I prefer white body supremacism because it puts it on the subject that implemented the system, right? And I don't, when I say white body, I'm not talking about like individual white people. I'm talking about the system being designed to prefer or put white bodies on top of other bodies. Well, then what happens then is we uh, relegate racism to America. Um, and, and, it, and it was definitely popularized. I think it was, what, 1902 when the, the that's the first time that the word racism was ever used in written human history, at least as far as, as far back. And, and it had everything to do with the Atlantic slave trade. Um, and I, it would, what's that? I, I don't know the history to that effect that it was 1902, but for me, it, it starts in 1619. Well, I'm just talking about the term racism. We're, we're talking about semantics right now. We'll get into all that. But um, okay. the problem that, that I have with system, if, if we were to put racism on a system, it takes away the individual responsibility. And I have a problem with that um, because it's everything starts with the individual. So if you can put it on the system, then you can kind of absolve yourself from the responsibility that you perpetuated it. Me, as a white person, I need that sense of responsibility. I need to know that, okay, so I'm not a racist person. Have I, have I been involved in activities that would be considered racist? If I look back now, absolutely. There's, there's, the, there, there's you know, jokes that I laughed at. There's activities that I took part in. I didn't know any better, right? There was no male intent behind my actions. It was just what it was, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of that. So, so it, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of white guilt, right? So when when uh, people don't want to hear the term racism, they don't want to hear white privilege. These things drive into people because they haven't dealt with the. Uh, I think the responsibility that they have to take in that we're part of that system, that doesn't make you a bad person. You were I, born- think, I think that's why they don't. Right. Cause if I acknowledge that it exists, then I'm wrong if I don't do something about it. Right. But if but you are willing- taking that responsibility, you're right. Like they, you now you're almost forced into a position of where I have the ability to at least acknowledge that means I have to do something that's, probably going to be bumpy considering I still have these things around me that perpetuate it, you know? Right. And then I'm, and the thing is, so for me, I get, I understand what you're saying is it takes away the individual responsibility, but if I am participating, if I found out and I discovered this system is disproportionately affects other people, which means it gives me all of these benefits, right? And because you can't like not exist in a world where both are true, meaning that if some people are oppressed, some people are benefited. Those things do out, they go together hand in hand. So it's not like I'm not benefited and they're not oppressed, right? If you got a system where they go above each other, one above the other, then that's just what it is. So if I acknowledge that I have wanted, I want to keep this system the way it is because it will be uncomfortable for me for it to be different then that's a racist act. That's an individual act of racism. But I don't want to call myself that. And since I don't like calling myself that, I'm just not. And I'm going to tell you, you wrong and put the blame on you, which is why I like the term 
white body supremacism because the preference, the system is designed to give white bodies more benefits. It, it was literally written in laws. Like this is, these are facts. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was designed to give white bodies more benefits, but it was definitely designed to keep black people in a system in, in a, of indentured slavery. You know what but, I mean? But like they're in, in laws. Um, so like, if it's designed to keep people down, how is the people who are not kept down not more benefited? Right. How well, do they they are, not have but more I'm saying there's some other races that have benefited from this also. You know, when they the Asians, when they brought them in based on uh, collegiate uh, ability, um, they benefited in, in a way that in in a way so that they got uh, put in internment camps. Well, that would, that, I'm talking. I'm, I'm talking about. There, there's a. This was after the internment camps. I can't remember what the program was called, where they they intentionally brought in Asian students. Um, that's why you saw this influx of Asian doctors and and scientists in America, because we were slacking. And uh, so, so there's people that have benefited outside of. It was really. So here's what happened in America. Benefited in comparison to who, though? Like, are they still, are they doing better than, like, are Asians as equally represented to white people? It Do depends. they have the same accent? I understand that. I get what you're saying that they're, and I, I will say this. Asian and Pacific Islanders are on my list of my own ally journey, right? Because I'm right now working on being a better ally to the LGBTQIA community. Mm-hmm. But Asian and Island Pacificers are getting a lot of flux because of uh, Donald Trump blaming, calling it the China virus and the Kung flu virus. And people don't take the time to uh, differentiate between a, like the Asian culture, right? There's lots of countries. There's Japanese, there's Korean, there's Filipino, there's a lot of countries and people and, and Chinese, right? But if you, but if everybody calls Asians or people with slanted eyes Asians and then assumes they're all from China, then now they're getting disrespected and, and having racism happen to them too. Do you see that happening? Yes. Cause I don't. I, I've talked to them. Well, no, that's why I'm asking you because yes, I, I'm not. No, they, yeah, that is the, so yes, I do see that happening. That is, I can put you in touch with someone to talk to about that. I mean, good, well, I believe you. I mean, so Donald Trump's making America great again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, depends on your definition of great. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, cause I, that, that's some 1940s stuff. You know what I mean? Like that. That wasn't the, that long ago. But what I'm saying is it doesn't exist in the world that I live in, right? Because I don't see it. I'm not talking to the, you know what I mean? Like, it's not. You heard that, though? Did you hear yourself, though? Like, it doesn't exist because I don't see it? That's a privilege. I'm saying in the world that I live in, like, it, it's, it doesn't embody me. So it, it's something I wouldn't think of. I wouldn't think of it because, and I, I think that's the problem with, I know for me, there was a long time where, I don't know that I denied racism, but I didn't think it existed. You know, so. And let, let me tell the story because I, I've always been. I grew up in Detroit until um, I was about ten years old. Then I, I moved over to uh, Roseville about a year and a half. Then finished it off in Hazel Park. I got very distinct flavors of what uh, what life was and you know what it, what it could be, what it meant to be a minority, um, what it, in that environment, and what it meant to be the majority. I, I also got a feel for what systemic racism was. This is hindsight, right? I didn't know as a kid, but. Looking back, I could see that once I crossed eight mile, all I had to do was dress and act a certain way and life got a little bit easier. I can navigate poverty a little bit easier than I could 
um, some of my black friends. So I moved from Hazel Park, which was predominantly white, um, a lot of racist tendencies there and some flat out racists. Not everybody, but there was some flat. There was some tendency. Racist tendency is molded into the environment, um, just kind of melded into the environment without, without, you can, you can, uh, you can make a joke and, and not know that it's hurtful, right? Using race. Like th- those are racist tendencies to me. It's not intentionally racist, but people that if you're in that environment, you're not trying to pick that apart. Everyone's just making those jokes. And we used to do it with each other, different races. We would, we would knock at each other and there's no, there was no hate behind that. Um, was it right? I don't know that it was right, um, but we weren't intentionally trying to be hurtful, but it was right. a, it, that's, that's a part of the problem. And we're like, so racism is the water that the, that America lives in and a lot of other countries in the globe on, on the globe. Right. Like, because doing those things, I've made homophobic jokes before because I grew up not even realizing it. Right. But once I learned, mm-hmm. then my intentions change. I know where my values land. But then now if I'm asking people to be a better ally, I'm also doing that work to be a better ally, which means I'm educating myself about these issues so that I don't have these blind spots anymore. And you said the key thing once you learn. Yes. But yeah. I was still saying homophobic stuff, though. Right. Like I, mean, I, no, I, 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 I was I, still. I and I, there was in my belief system then, like I would say, like think that gay was less than. You know, when you pick that apart, you start to realize that, right? You don't think it, it feels harmless when you're in the middle of those jokes, but because you're not even thinking about it. But it's because well, you don't that, care that, to think about it. I didn't care because it wasn't like so. Here's the thing: it's it feels harmless because I don't care to consider whether or not I'm being harmful. But when I look at it, obviously I was being harmful. I had to be taught compassion. And that's what I was, when I went out, so I moved out to LA from, uh, went to Northern when I moved out to LA and it's a melting pot. I had never seen a gay person in my life. You know what I mean? I, I knew they existed, but it was kind of like unicorn, right? Like I, I, that's, I was in this little bubble and I got out there and there's gay people, black people, Asian people, people, every kind of person you could possibly think of. And so I lived in this environment from where I came from. And I thought, and I mistakenly thought that uh, racism didn't exist. Like this is after Rodney King and after all of that. And, and I'm like, it, it, it didn't exist in my, the world that I lived in. Like we were all, you know, Hollywood, um, Kumbaya, you know what I mean? So I, when I would hear things on the news, which wasn't as frequent as you hear them now, I'd be like, how, you know, it didn't make sense to me. And I didn't Let me ask you this. Did black actors say that racism didn't exist in Hollywood? Did non-white actors say that racism didn't exist? Or it just it wasn't, wasn't a con- a something you were like, it just wasn't some people were talking about. It wasn't a conversation. That doesn't mean it didn't exist. And erasure is a big proponent, like erasing saying, the narrative. Yes, that is your perspective, but perspective. it wasn't the world. Right. I'm not saying that it didn't exist. I'm, I'm talking about perspective. I'm talking about individual perspective. Okay. So for me, it was hard to, when I would hear some news reports, and again, not as frequent as it is now. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't fathom it, and I didn't. Did know, you try I to fathom it? No, I didn't. I didn't try to be compassionate because I had other things, like you were saying. There was other things that were driving me in life, and I wasn't a hateful person, so it didn't. I, I it's not a, like I intentionally brushed it to the side. It just there were other things driving me. And it didn't feel important because I didn't see it. So I didn't think to pay attention to it. 
And it wasn't until Obama was elected. And I remember I was out in L.A. at the time and uh, I was like, well, now racism is definitely dead. You know, it, that's that's what I said. Let, OK, let me finish. Gotta let me finish. So and it, it wasn't until Obama where I started to see see this deep south um, component of like this ugly racism that we've read about in books. I'd never seen it. I'd never seen the, the power structure of racism. And when he came into office, you started to see this come to the surface. And that's when I was like, oh, shit, it exists like it's real. Like, and, and it was a realization for me. I'm in my 20s, you know, and I'm late early 30s at this point. And I think I'm this I'm very spiritually evolved, not spiritually, but um, socially evolved. Right. That's what I think. And then it took Obama and then everything that came out against him for me to finally understand. I was like, oh, it's in the system. Like, that's when I finally got it. That's that's when it hit me. But I'm not everybody. You know what I mean? I was in a different in a, a, a more open world, more receptive. I, I was curious about things, but it still took me that long to finally say this is a it's a problem. I'm saying that to say that there's a lot of times people aren't intentionally um, they're not intentionally ignoring the fact that it exists. Because denial is not a choice. Denial is a defense mechanism. It's a defense mechanism. And you know this and you know from your studies of trauma that denial is a defense mechanism that predominantly you don't have a choice over. You can intentionally deny things, but sometimes your brain just can't get to a place to where it accepts it because it's been blocked. You know, and I, I go ahead. No, no, no. I'm listening. I'm also feeling. Um. <laughs> That's what the conversation is about because there's, there's, um... But I disagree with, um, I understand that there are some visceral reactions, right? Mm-hmm. And I do agree that there are people who are very reactionary, right? Including people, and if you've been traumatized until you do the work to understand your subconscious thoughts and all of that. So I'm not saying that that is not an aspect of this. But if I'm telling you about something and I'm a person of color and you just automatically say, no, I'm not, Right. You're not listening to understand me. So that's why I don't do the work of convincing people anymore because I'm tired of begging people to care about me. I do the work of educating people who want to know more. And I think um, I think you're right in doing that because you can waste a lot of breath on somebody who's not re- receptive. But I you do know? expect white allies to do the work of convincing. That, well, they, that, I mean, and that's kind of where my place is as because I'm a white ally because I've been through these things and I've seen it. And, and a lot of my friends from the old neighborhood. You've been on some of those posts. I can't. They're still in the old neighborhood. They haven't traveled beyond the old neighborhood. Now, this is the thing that bothers me a little bit, though. And just because I have been on some of those posts and some of them are pretty like. I don't feel safe for their girlfriends. I don't feel safe for the people around them if this is how you react to your feelings. Um, That makes sense. (laughs) And so it's not even just me. Like, so these are individual character things that are but these are people who because of the laws and the way things were designed for generations right like so civil the civil rights act was in the 1960s martin luther king would be 91 he could still be alive had he not been murdered when he was 39 so that shit just wasn't that long ago that people were being held back even in your childhood in your neighborhood you're like in, in hazel park you're like it was like and I, you know, racist tendencies and actual racist. So like you knew actual racist. Yeah. What do you think they do in their jobs? What do I think they do? Yeah. 
Do you think they hiring black people and treating their black oh, no, employees no, no, barely? No. Right? So the reason it's in the systems is because people won't deal with their own character and trauma. So you 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 just took me back to the very beginning of that's that's why I had a problem with that definition that said it, it has to be it has to stem from a system in order for it to be racist. That's why I have a both problem. And Vince, it's both and. They can't be separated. It's both and. If the people who are in power in the system have racist beliefs that are subconscious or conscious, right? Like, because there's plenty of conscious races in the system too. But there's this unconscious races in there and then they're not doing the work on themselves. That So that existence means that people of color, bodies of culture are oppressed and then you're justifying that. Now think about it in terms of an abusive relationship, right? If I'm with somebody that's punching me in the face and then telling me I made them do that, or if I would just act right, they wouldn't punch me in the face. Like that's unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, On your post are when they talk about the police brutality or like, especially some of your friends who have been in openly admit to having been a criminal activity and been arrested by the police and the police roughed them up. But that's a justification like, Oh, but I just conformed and acted right. But the police ain't supposed to be fucking roughing you up. Yeah, no, it, that's it, not it, their job. No, and it's crazy to see some of that stuff on there. Like, I, somebody will, the, um, you know, I can't even drop in. They will find the, the the most minuscule argument that is completely irrelevant to the to the talk that needs to be had, so that they don't have to have that talk. Yeah, and then they get passionate about it. As if it's intelligently, um, because they find groups that will merge together and be like, yes, and then yes. it gives them permission. So this is my problem. Having a difference of opinion does not give you permission to punish the other opinion. It, okay. And, and you're right. And, and that's, but when, when deep down, okay, so here's what happens. And let's take this all back to trauma because this is what it is for everybody. So when you get hit with a visceral response and you don't know what that trigger is and you feel you've been pushed into a position to where you have to defend yourself, that's what you do. You defend yourself at all costs. And that's what I see them doing. That's what some people do. Well, look, it took me years to not do that. Right. But you're now a person who doesn't do that. So I'm not about to be like, that's what you like. That's what people do. All people don't do that. No, but there's a, let's let's be honest and say it's the majority. Like, how many people have worked through their trauma like we have? Not I enough. mean, I know we can't put Not a number enough. on enough, right? Yeah. Not enough. <laughs> I did, but I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a, I know you're a unicorn out there. You know, sometimes we're talking to people and they don't know what the hell we're talking about because they'll get hit with something in some, like my. A lot of my friends think they're being attacked just because I'm speaking out in a way that's different to what they believe. Right. So they come back and like we're fighting. We're not sparring. Am I attacking you or do you feel attacked? So I'll say this. The people on your post, I'm not doing my work when I'm talking to them. Right. Like, right. well, what I mean is sometimes in doing my work, I can build up. I'm a human. Right. I build up a little resentment. Yeah. yeah. They want to unload on me. I want to unload on them. Symbiotic relationship. Right. So. There's that because I know I don't like in my mind, I don't believe that I can convince you because you're already biased to think I'm ignorant. Right. So if you think that, then there is no read like you start there. You started disrespectfully. 
You didn't listen to understand. You didn't listen to see my points, ask me questions about them, get me to clarify my position. Like you didn't do any of that. You just told you just came on attacking and criticizing me. Yeah. So I we're not having a discussion, but when I'm doing my work and people are triggered and they feel attacked, asking questions like, well, what's making you feel attacked? Why? There's a powerful How do you feel attacked. Yeah. Yeah. Are you being attacked or do you feel attacked right now? And even that in one of my, you know, one of my posts, they would get defensive about uh, why do you feel like you're being attacked? I don't feel like I'm being attacked. You know what I mean? That's they, they would defend the fact that they feel like they're being attacked because that's that's the fight or flight that they've been put into for no reason. I can write these long, drawn out posts because no one's ever going to accuse me of lack of context. But I can see what sentence they got off in. And this is where they felt the need to defend themselves. They didn't get to any, anywhere beyond the sentence because now the conversation is about was George Floyd a criminal? Why is that relevant? That's just been posted. He has never, he wasn't, he didn't go to court, right? He was a suspect. Not a criminal. Right. And it it doesn't just have the conversation to be had. Like we're anyway. um, So here's another tool that um, I will. Are you listening to understand me? Are you listening to defend your position? mm Mm-hmm. Because with doing that, it is uh, it 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 helps people shift, and I think you described it as bringing their limbic system back on board. Well, you got to get up to the neocortex. You're, right. you're blocked. You can't get up there. And so this is just me, as I since I you know you're an ally, you self proclaimed ally. You you were doing the work of convincing people. Those are some tips, right? So when it why do you feel attacked? If I don't feel attacked, okay, well, are you listening to understand my position or are you listening to get me to understand yours? How about we take turns and hear right. each other fully out? We'll deal with mine first and then we'll deal with yours next. Right? You set them up and then people kind of like, so people's desire to be right kind of takes over. Like, okay, I agreed to do that so I can't fuck it up. So I'm going to just do that. Yeah. And, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's a human thing. Yes. And it's you do it. Thing. It's it, not, it's it, not going to excel the human race. If that's where we stay, because, you know, we got that reptilian brain, right? So the reptilian brain, its entire, its entire uh, function is survival. So we have not evolved as humans. We're still young as humans. We have not evolved past the usage of this as our survival mechanism. So when, when information gets pushed back into the, back beyond the amygdala, right? And, and, and if we've experienced trauma in our lives, depending on the relationship with our caregivers, it will depend on how we're able to process this information. If we get stuck there, you're dumb, right? Literally, you've lost IQ points. It can't get up to the neocortex, which is what makes you human. And it's definitely not getting up to the frontal lobe. So, so you're stuck. And it took me trauma. Um, it took me trauma that made me evaluate everything that I – hey, Steve – that made me have to evaluate everything that I knew in my life is right. Right. It was three things and it's the weirdest things, but I, you know, I, I believe that, you know, it's divine intervention. It was the birth of my son, uh, quantum physics and ketamine. Um, you know, this therapy, quantum physics is a mother, (laughs) all these things merged. And then, uh, what ketamine did is it, I was like, if it weren't for ketamine, I wouldn't be me today because I was so controlled and, I lived my life in fear, right? So I had to put on this image, this persona. I was always protecting everything, had to control. I was, a, I was an asshole. I hate to, 
it bothers me to look back and say that I allowed some of the things in my life to happen the way that they did, but I can't judge myself for it because what I realize now in my study of trauma is that I, I couldn't get to the neocortex. Like I was stuck in fight or flight. And if I look at even the physicalities, how I would, uh, just from driving, my heel would dr- dig holes into the carpet mat. That's how tense I was all the time. I had no idea. But I look back on it now and I'm like, well, I can't blame myself because I understand. How do we make people understand that, let, let, let's get off the blame shit. Let's, let's all just say we've, been, we've fallen short in our lives, right? And, and let's look at this objectively. Step outside and look at it. Don't look at it as a white person. Don't look at it as a black. Let's just say this is the system objectively. And then when you start looking at logic, it's kind of hard to deny that. Do we teach logic in schools? We don't teach logic. We don't teach racism. We don't teach, you know, there's a lot of things. we don't. So, right. But that's the educating people about these things is the way and training people to have these skills that they don't have is what will change this as a system. So like now I'm going to bring up defunding the police, right? Mm-hmm. The, what they're saying is to take away some of the funding that goes to militarizing the police and put it toward the services that teach these things. Well, I even broke it down for people in because, uh, okay, so I hear, so this is where visceral responses still get me, but I know to check myself. So I, I'm all behind everything that's happening with the, the Black Lives Matter movement. And, and, you know, I like, it's about time this is going down and voices are being heard. And then I heard defund the police. And, uh, and I'm like, well, that's stupid. You know, cause that the gut response. And then I had to check that. I say, I had to say, okay, well, if, if uh, there's got to be something to that, there's, there's smart people behind that. So let me look into that before I go bashing that. You know what I mean? Which I'm not going to do. I might have five years ago. So I went in and I started reading about it and, and got to the core of what this really is. And uh, Hold the, on, I want to stop you right there, though. Like, so what you just said was I might have five years ago just immediately started bashing it. Yeah. But yeah. I, That's the problem. That's what I'm talking boss. about. But no, not you. Like. I'm not talking about you. I'm just using that as an example for other people who are still where you were in the sense of you see something you don't like. And then for some reason that allows you to bash it instead of want to understand it more. So really, even if you think about if my goal is to defend myself again against it is all the way over there. So it's not a real life in my face threat. Right. Right. So then what I would need to do is develop a strategy if I really wanted to dismantle it. So I need to educate myself about it so I can dismantle it. That's logical thinking. But for some reason, people who are who haven't. Frank, I don't know, shitty ass people. They want to sit there and be like, oh, I don't like it. So I get to punish it. Like even the dude that was like, this is respectful as I can be. Well, if that's respectful as you can be, you need therapy. And you know, well, here, and that's the thing though, is they do. And, and when we call them shitty, when we call them shitty people, we, we feed into what they just right. People who do shitty things. Steve, shitty you things. Say something? What's that, Steve? They, it, it seems like most people that are knee jerk reactions like that, instead of intellectuals, they're, they're just reading the headlines and going off of that. And that's it. I can speak to the, the, uh, the chemistry behind this. So there, we got a, we got a space between stimulus and response, right? And Victor Frankl talks about this a lot in man's search for meaning. So in this space between stimulus and response, there are, are 
there's there's room to work, right? And as as trauma affects people throughout their life, the space gets smaller, smaller, smaller. I had next to nothing. I was reactionary. I didn't, I couldn't get past fight or flight because everything was life or death to me. So I reacted that way. And that's why I use myself as an example because I know what that feels like. I, and I don't care. I'll take the lumps for being that way. If it'll help somebody else to recognize, oh, maybe I act that way too. But it's, I went straight to reaction and through cognitive process and therapy, I learned to start asking myself the question. First, I had to learn what the emotion was. So I had to start gauging the visceral response. Okay, I feel this now. And this has led to bad places in the past. And then, you know, so I learned to feel that emotion. Then I would automatic. Now I automatically ask the question. Why do you feel like defund the police? Why did you immediately say that was stupid? You know what I mean? Why did you feel up in arms against it? So I, so I asked him, is this emotion, is this based on now or is this ingrained in the past? The past had nothing to do with right now. I was by myself, right? So then I had to, got to have a conversation with me and read about it. Go ahead. I just want to, I can't, like, so you said trauma in the past since I was born, right? Yeah. I have to take this time to talk about epigenetics. And what epigenetics is, is the study of the epigenome. And what the epigenomes is the instruction center for your genome. So if you think about it like a computer, your genome is the hardware of the computer and the epigenome is the programming. Now you have, and that exists in all of your DNA, right? Mm -hmm. So every cell in your body has the same DNA, but then the epigenome is what gives it instructions for how to play out. Mm -hmm. Now, every epigenome has, and I might be getting these interchanged, but methyl groups and histones, right? Mm-hmm. And so a methyl group is what tells the DNA what type of cell to be. So like it's going to be an eye cell versus a kidney cell. Right. And then the histone tells each um, genome how much it's like a volume knob. So how much of it to play out. Now, your epigenome is coded with your life's lived experiences. That's mm-hmm. the part that like. So if you think of your body like a 3D printer the instructions for what to print go to your epigenome and then Mm -hmm. it tells. So anything you experience in your life. Now we got that point. Everybody that's alive was present from the time that they were in their grandmother was pregnant with their mother Mm -hmm. because women have all their eggs at the time of that. They developed them. So it was in that belly, that epigenome that was in those eggs that made you was also getting instructions that then those instruct and then remember that happened for your grandmother and all the generations back. Mm-hmm. And they have done studies that epigenetic instructions can be passed down for up to 14 generations. So this is not just trauma from one's lived experiences. Oh, absolutely not. People's bodies do arrive here programmed to viscerally react to different cultures and colors and things like that. Right. Right. Yeah. And no, then- if your grandmother was racist and she raised your mama and then your mama raised you without somebody doing that work to unpack that, you were racist. Well, and then we can go back to the semantics of that. You're program racist or are you racist? Does racist take an act? Both and Vince, both and they're not separate events. If you program racist and you live out your programming, you are racist. See, that's, I'll have to think about that. <laughs> I have to think about that because I, that, that's easy. It's easy to call somebody a racist who can't understand for the life of them why they might be racist. But are right? they asking? Right? Well, are they trying to understand? Because if you ask, I can help not you. If you're, if you're defensive, you're not. 
then they not, then here's the thing. Then they just decided that they weren't without evidence. Well, they don't believe that they are, right? So we talk about denial as not being a choice. No, and you said that. I, I didn't agree with that. But that, well, it, it, but it's true though. In drama, it's true. Like people don't it's intentionally deny. Well, well, both and. We can say both and for a lot of things, but um, so people, a lot of that, yeah, I mean, I, if we want to go the stoic route, we could. Um, I'm a spiritual being having a black human experience. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a spiritual being having a Vince human experience, I guess, you know, whatever it is. But um, but that's a that's a whole different conversation. See, we can speak in the language of spirituality and, you know, it's not most people aren't going to understand that. It's not even going to register, you know, because if we're if we're talking about spirituality and what we truly are, our true nature. Um, where do these conversations fall into that? You know, because like Christ said, I'm, I'm, I'm in this asked. world, but I'm not of it. Right. I'm glad you asked. So, like, if you think about it, we got source just up here. Right? right. But then we have all these things in between the physical realm and source. Mm-hmm. And everything here has its own consciousness and choice. All, everything's safe up here. But everything in between as above, so below. So. If this body that we exist in physicality has generational stuff that came through, right? Like in the DNA, the epigenetic instructions, that's my ancestors. In my spiritual practices, I venerate and connect with my ancestors. So they trauma is my trauma because they had to teach me how to survive. And some of those survival instincts are literally coded yeah. in my body. So right, how right. that it, that plays out is that you like, so it's, Soul, spirit, mind, body. You can't take away what's in the body and just be like, oh, I'm a only spirit. I'm a spirit with the body. Yes, no, you're that all body is that body come with stuff to deal with and unpack too. And that's that's the experience, right? That's why that's we're the here. spiritual experience. Yeah, that's like, why that's we're what, here. Mm-hmm. To, to transcend that the lower nature, the lower human nature. Um but I've got a question whenever you're ready. Yep. Go ahead, Steve. Okay. Um it's uh, you guys broke off this a few minutes ago, but defunding the police, uh, you had mentioned that you read into it, and uh, I think all three of us are aware of where it's supposed to be, but can one of you feel the question, like, what are the basics of defunding the police? So what I got, um, and not what I got, this is what this is what it is at the source of defunding the police before it became a popular thing. This has been going around in Congress for a while. And, you know, people have been talking about it, but uh, and there's some people I don't agree with that support it. And there's some very intelligent people that I, I do agree with that, that. So anyway, it's it's about the police have become big business. Right. The, the, the drug, you know, the, 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 the drug industry, um, there, there's no there's no way in hell that uh, a married person um, who's fallen on hard times financially should spend a year in the county jail for driving without a license, right? Like there's all these things that the police have become that's not policing. And what that what it talks about is defunding that and putting it into programs that boost the community. It doesn't say anything about disbanding the police and making this an anarchical society where everybody's got to fend for themselves. It talks about community policing, bringing people from within each community to, to police, help police neighborhoods. But I'm with... Um, I, I, I think there's too many cops out there sitting on the road, giving people tickets for no reason, ruining their damn lives. You know, people that are already impoverished. 
and, and, it, and it does target people in the inner city. You know what I mean? And you can't get out of that system once you're in it. And it's not okay. Like that, that, that's what I, when I read about it, I'm like, I'm with that place to fund that part of the, it shouldn't be, it's to protect well, and serve anything beyond that does not belong. What is protect, protect and serve, right? Like, so the police's job in my mind is to prevent crime, not punish for crime. And I feel like that got flipped around <coughs> because I don't feel safe with police. I don't feel safe. If I've been to jail. It ain't fun. And it's the food is terrible. Right. So like <laughs> it is terrible. Um, I also now volunteer to go into prisons, but and I don't eat with them because the food is terrible. Um, but so are the police preventing crime? No, they're monetizing crime. So like they're not do the job of protect and serve is not what they're doing. What when we say defund the police, the reason black people, well, let me not speak for all black people, but in my opinion. The reason that that is necessary is because I don't get the same kind of police you get, right? right. I don't get that. Like, that's that. not my experience of policing. That's not, right. I, there's no safety there. And then the things that create crime are people's needs not being met that are survival needs. Right. I'm not saying that there aren't mm-hmm. other things. There's violent crime and stuff like that. And yes, it may be in the public's best interest for people who have a propensity for violence to be separated and mm-hmm. reformed. Right. Separated and worked with until they deal with that trauma so that they're not acting out in violence. Now, what that looks like as far as going integrating them back into society is a different thing. But drug people who are drug addicts are not criminals. They're addicts and they should. And here's the thing. Even if they do criminal activities while they're addicts, if you help them with their addiction, they no longer do criminal activities. Right. So people who are mentally ill are being punished and sent to prison or sent to jail. And then people who are poor go to jail and can't afford to get out. So now I'm not even like, even if I haven't been found guilty and I just got out, uh, got arrested and I'm suspected of a crime, I can't afford bail because of the way that the system of white body supremacism has set it up to have impoverished communities stay together. And then all of a sudden that community still look like the same color. I will say this though, that opioid epidemic, it's not, it's no, it, it won't be a, only a, a black thing in a minute because I, I, I never thought it was. I thought that was targeting whites. Well, I don't know the, if it targets anybody, but it was, it, it was really predominant. Well, I can, I'll say this I can say that because white people have more access to health care, and they got, and the opioid epidemic was started in healthcare with big pharma pumping uh, drug addiction. So, yes, that one, it may not have targeted whites, and that's a good point to make, right? Like, so sometimes, even if things aren't intentionally targeting a race, when they disproportionately affect one race over the other, it is still about race. I'm glad you bring that up because at the core of all of this is at the core of all of this. So why I believe, you know, number one, I've got a problem with oppression. Anybody that's oppressed, if I have the ability to stand for that person and and that group, then I'm going to do it because I believe in, I believe in being a good human. You know what I mean? So I've always been compelled, even when I was flawed in my living, I was always pulled towards this thing. I could deny it, drink enough alcohol, and all of a sudden I don't remember my true nature, right? But I've always been pulled towards that. And I think that's our, all of our true human nature. I think we have that compassion ingrained in us. And then society kind of pulls us in its direction if we allow it. Um, 
but there's something I think now is a time more than ever that we, we have to get behind. It's obvious that black people have been oppressed in this country. If you look at the history and yet, I mean, I, it's, it, if racism was coined in 1902, that obviously has, it, it has everything to do with the Atlantic slave trade. And what happened that was because people will make these stupid analogies. Oh, slaves. I just want to change some of this language, the enslavement of African people. Like okay. language matters. So people weren't slaves. People were enslaved. So when pe- and the point I'm making is people talk about, well, in Egypt, they, they, um, they, they had slaves and, and they'll start talking about, well, they all looked like each other. The thing that was different that happened here is a group was taken from their home, from their continent to a new continent. They looked completely different than the people that were bringing them here. And that's where this 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 uh, this that was an economic decision because um, that's the point. White indentured slave servants and enslaved people would get, escape and blend in, and then Native American enslaved people because don't get it. I mean, the, this country has a pretty shitty record of keeping its word with people who are not white. Right. Mm-hmm. Like every treaty they went back on with the Native Americans that literally people were given 160 acres of land to go murder and commit genocide to settle the West, even though there was a whole population here. But um, white people don't keep their word with each other. Just <laughs> like that, that's a there, there's loyalty. I, I'm Sicilian. There's a, a different there's a form of loyalty that I was taught as a kid. And when I think stereotypical white, when I'm thinking outside of, you know, um, money matters. You know what I mean? So that brings us back to the point that I was making before I got off on my Native, well, not Native American tangent, but I made that point. Was that Africans who were brought here to be enslaved didn't know the land. So even when they escaped, it was more difficult for them. And that was the purpose of enslaved. Because there were free African people here before enslavement. And then somebody who was an individual racist and then people who, as you call them, racist sympathizers, got together and saw this economic activity going on and was mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. Now we got to convince these other people to, to that African enslaved people are not uh, are beasts of burden and not people. Yep. So something different happened here. Something different happened in America that had never happened before. When, when it, and that's when the coin racism was formed. Something different. This was different than people enslaving their own people. This was this was a new thing. Yeah, it was, well, I feel like it was like an efficiency, right? An upgrade. So capitalism. <laughs> this was well, capitalism. But know this: that the place that the the white people who who stole America. Um, they were escaping their own oppression and their own barbaric systems from the British. So like they were here, they were traumatized people. And we talked about that whole cycle of then projecting that onto other people. Hurt people, hurt people. And there, and not to mention uh, in um, Resma Minicum's book, My Grandmother's Hands, talks about vicarious trauma, right? So like if I, if you were to see somebody be murdered, you if you if that's not your norm, you ain't sleeping well that night. 
Right. Right. And a few nights that image is going to be in your head. There was a movie where I watched a, a murder on a movie and the dude like slammed and slammed the head in the door and there was real graphic. You can see little brain bits and all that. I still am traumatized by seeing that scene. I was like, oh, I'll never watch the show again. That right. Like Two smoking barrels, wasn't it? But you know that problem? I'm not. I think it was. I don't know. My ex used to be into some kind of comic show, something. Yeah. I don't know. He had a bald head. <laughs> I have points to, to make real okay. quick. Uh, actually, to help uh, along with your story, Alexis, uh, first of all, the protect and serve thing. I know I'm going pretty far back, but that is not their job. And that is according to the Supreme Court ruling from like 2008 that the police do not exist to protect and serve. Just so you know. So that's not true anymore. Second of all, the first U.S. police department that I know of was established like right after 1776, and its sole purpose was to catch and retrieve runaway slaves. Yes. That, so, Vince, to answer your question, how does this tie back to spirituality? We know how much intention literally matters, even in quantum physics, too. Absolutely. It's doing exactly what it was designed to do. It is still carrying out the intention that it was imbued with. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what it was designed to do. To give people a sense of security and to give other people a sense of fear and oppression and subjugation. Those were the intentions of the runaway slave patrol. If you get out of line, we're going to run away and get, we're going to come get you and bring you back to your place. Mm-hmm. That was what it, the badge looked damn near the same. It's exact. It's doing what it was exactly intended to do. The when African enslaved people were written into the Constitution as three fifths of a man, the fact that the descendants of African enslaved people and other people who have migrated who happen to also have uh, black skin. The system is doing exactly what it was intended to do. This was the intention in that constitution. All men are created free, but hey, wait a minute. You not a man and women, you my property. Yeah, they were. Re- so, so like it's to- doing what it's, if you haven't had to have your rights legislated to you after a fight, then that's the privilege, right? The system is doing what it was designed to do and it's still doing it today. And we haven't rewritten it as we were told to do. Well, it's, it's going to be, it has to be, or there's going to be, it's, there's a revolution brewing and I, I would like to see it a political revolution, but whatever it winds up being, it's going to be because people won't take this, but I want to go back to trauma. Um, cause we got what, eight minutes left. Um, and at the end of in epigenetics, the beauty of epigenetics, I was with all those cats out in London for the uh, conference of consciousness and human evolution. And, uh, you know, Bruce Lipton, Greg Braden, all those cats and, and it's true, you know, everything about that is accurate, but the beauty of epigenetics is you can alter your DNA. Like if through, you choose to, and if you, you choose conscious to, intention to it. Conscious intention. So we talk about conscious intention and how this relates to spirituality. There's so much trauma, generational trauma. You just said it, you know it, I'm aware of it, we've lived it, and we've worked on it. for comfort. What's that? Like, it's not all just trauma. White people are bred for comfort, too. I think, uh, man, I'm, I, mean, I, so like, I grew up poor and white, so I don't know. Like, because beyond racism, there's classism. So, yes. 
So if we take away this race car that that uh that whatever the power, wait a minute, why were you? Why did you you mentioned you were being you were Sicilian? There was a time when Sicilians weren't white. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, so, I know. Right, we kind of right. looked. We were but, that, so, but here's the thing: I'm not so. Then from that perspective, Sicilians don't have as much uh, time being bred for comfort as people who were always considered white. That's true. Yeah, that, you know, but but even Irish. Irish are white. You know what I mean? But they were not always white. White had stages, right? There was permission. Like, so here's the thing. As soon as white people start sympathizing too much with black people, they'd be like, like, excuse me, non-white. So Irish, Sicilian, like you start sympathizing too much with black people. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, listen, y'all. We'll stop fucking with you if you come on over to the white side. We'll give you, your kids can be safe if you come on over to the white side. You won't have to deal with this bullshit. Who are these white All you gotta do, huh? Who are these white imperialists? The people in the government. Um, our founding fathers. They our were from Britain. Fathers. Yeah, and 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 colonization happened over the globe, right? Like, so this is yeah, this is not like so. Yes, it was improved here, but then in South Africa, when they uh, instituted an apartheid, mm-hmm. instituted apartheid. Before they did that, they went around and studied different racist systems around the world and took the best practices. So, like, we didn't have the worst racism. I believe South Africa did, in my opinion, because they literally perfected it. Like, say, oh, what y'all doing? What y'all doing? What y'all doing? They took it a step beyond. But I do want to say this. when we, I want to bring it back to spirituality just a little bit. It can change. In epigenetics, it could change with conscious intention. But the world gets manifested from the subconscious mind. So until we go in there and the species deal with them subconscious beliefs, is this will be a cycle that repeats itself because you have to work in your conscious mind to get it to your subconscious mind. And if people aren't willing to do that, then revolution is going, you know, it will and won't be televised. We call, if, if we then have worked beyond, because I know I'm on the other side of trauma. I still have my visceral responses. I'm able to quash them pretty much immediately now. It's not to say I can't fall off the deep end tomorrow, but I'm pretty confident that I won't. Um, but I, I'm still so close. I'm still so close to the, those responses that I know what it feels like and I can understand people. And now that I understand the mechanisms of the brain, I can talk to I can allow for the space on my Facebook feed, for example, to let some of this, this stuff that I, my visceral response is I, I'm better with words and facts. And I, I will come back in here and dismantle everything you said and make you feel stupid for saying it. What benefit does that have? To the higher good, it has none. Well, so I, you know that that's an asshole response too, right? It is. It's okay. <laughs> so, like you that, that that so not that I don't do it. This is not like coming down on you because I like I said I sometimes will come on your post to unload some stuff, which is projection um, and an asshole response. Right, but right. That like so un- helping that person metabolize that trauma is what is necessary. Like so, it's not just not reacting yourself. Is helping them get to the place where they're making that connection, not making them feel stupid for saying something. That's what I'm saying. So, so you got to allow the space for some. No, Even I don't have to. We're, we're still viscerally attached to. I, I, I feel like I should allow some space for that to happen because you trauma is about feeling safe. That subconscious part of your brain that's still very much in fight or flight. How do you make that feel safe? How do those neural pathways open up through cognitive processing therapy? We had to do different things. I, you know, I was in a place where I was able to make those choices and do that. 
Um, now they have EMDR. That's what defunding the police is trying to get to the communities that have been traumatized by the police. And frankly, the police need it too, because they're doing traumatic shit and they are not helping heal. They're not getting the healing no. that they need. And they're the agents of racism and violence. And th- they need healing too, because they happen to be human beings. That's why I wanted to come back to on trauma. So if you think about this for a second, if if racism is ingrained in your DNA as a white person in America or anybody, but as a white person predominantly in America, it's ingrained in your DNA, but you don't know that it's there. You don't want to hear that it's there. You're going to protect yourself against that feeling at any cost. That's trauma. So the fight or flight response is going to kick in. And that's what I see because a lot of, a lot of people aren't bad people. They're not assholes. They say asshole things in protection of their um, of themselves when they're not even being attacked. You know what I mean? And I, we have to we we have to we have to find our opinions, right? People are people, right? But and you have you you might not be a bad person, but if you're doing a lot of bad shit, it's police is is perfectly understandable why people call you a bad person. If you're Especially doing, a lot if of bad you're doing it and giving your, and, but you don't know it's bad. And then you give yourself permission and call it good. Then you like, you need to be held accountable for your actions. Yes. You need to be and, held accountable for your well, actions. Yeah. But what does that accountability look like? Right. Like, so the space, the thing that needs, that is necessary to heal this is to have these difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. And then, but first people got to realize they are not allowed to punish the other. That, and that's that's what I'm getting at. Because you, you can't, can't I mean, be- what do you get? More punishment. You've justified every negative feeling they've ever had. You've allowed them to validate it. But me expressing my feelings is not a punishment. If you feel attacked and me attacking you is two different things. No, that's different. That's, that's different. That, Right. But I can be angry and not be attacking you. Your anger permits you, not you, but I'm thinking of the the type of people that we're talking about. We can't convince those people's anger permits them to attack me. And the problem that I have with that is the system protects them. That's true. Again, that's that's true. So like then in my experience. It supports and validates their anger. And we yeah. have stand your gr- ground laws that allow them to murder me, but then do not uh, have that same effect if I was to murder them. So like when you talk about like, what, so what am I supposed to do? This is not a black problem. It's a white problem. What are y'all going to do? Well, I, I hope that's what we're seeing right now. You know, I, ho- I hope that's what we're seeing is the, the white people that can talk to the other white people and say, no, I see things this way. Um, it, there's going to be a lot of bickering in the route, you know, I don't see that stopping tomorrow, but we could go on for hours with this stuff and we'll, we'll have to and do I, it my again. My body can't handle going on for hours, but I, I can't do it in another hour. Yeah. Well, well, my black body be, I, I am angry, right? I, I'm angry at the notion that, and then, so like, this is, I'm sorry, I'm going to just rant a little bit. Because then when I'm upset and I'm doing all of this, people want to tell me, oh, I got to make people feel comfortable for them to listen. Fuck your comfort. And I, when I'm teaching people who want to be educated, I care about their comfort. I, I want them to have an ally-gasm, right? A, break, a breakthrough where they understand and all of a sudden they want to impact the world and create pleasure for everybody. But 
when I'm when you're doing things that are offensive to me and then I try to tell you that they're offensive and then you want to gaslight me and then now I got to make you comfort to get you like comfortable to get you to understand who the fuck do you think you are that you your comfort is more important than mine? Well, you, you, I don't White know that is think. what you think you are. No, I don't know that they think. Gaslighting, I've been, gaslighting is a, a thing now. That's a real big thing. But uh, I think our, our time's up. But I, one thing we were saying in our group, um, I, I th- one thing you can do as a white person right now, because you are in America and there is white privilege, and that doesn't mean that you didn't work hard for what you have. I know people take that deep. No, it just means there's a system that's been set up to – but what you can do is step out and take your lumps. You know what I mean? Like to, to have you be angry in my vicinity because of some shit that has happened to you. If that's all I have to do to help say, I recognize that I reckon I understand. I don't, I, I didn't live it, but I understand it. I don't understand your anger. I can, I can, you know, I can try to, but I've never, I haven't lived it. Go ahead. Unload that shit. If that's what it, I mean, compared to what black people had to go through to get even to this point today, that ain't shit. That's nothing. Step out and take some lumps, you know? So I, I, mean, I agree, but it's hard for me to be like, why do the lumps have to be there? Right? Well, like, why? History. <laughs> history. You know what I mean? Like, we're all traumatized. Like, that's, I hope we can all agree on that. Like, it, your trauma is different than my trauma, than Steve's trauma, than. We, I mean, even I, Trump, who's sitting on top of this thing, he's been traumatized, you know? We Oh, that's true. And we have to wrap. I just saw the notification. Yeah, yeah, but I just want to say this about privilege. White privilege isn't the only privilege, right? I have privilege as a cisgender a uh, woman, there is privilege, like over able, like people who are more have able uh, able bodies to people who are disabled. Yeah. There's levels of privilege, even in white masculinity. If I'm a macho person and I'm more, you know, the bros broski, that kind of what you know, what I'm saying it's then you're going to have more privilege over someone who might have like not like just might be an introvert and things like that. So privilege well, exists on many levels. You don't have to feel so attacked when people say you have white privilege. That's extremely important. And that's a good way to close it like that. So we got to do this again, you know, yes. come in, mix it up and, and, uh, and, and keep it, that's, we'll keep it real. You know, we'll keep it real. Let the chips fall where they may. Hopefully this spawns some debate, but all right, I Dave, we'll so. get out. I, I, I got a program coming up the second week of September. Oh. If you found any value in this and you want to become an actively authentic ally, I promise to be way more compassionate with you and your unpacking of all oh, that no. bias than I was on this podcast. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. At Ask Alexis, people got to learn and shame doesn't teach them. So askalexis111 at gmail.com. You can follow me at Ask Alexis on Facebook and Instagram. And I, I'm doing right now a three-day ally challenge. I invite you to participate where I'm giving actual lessons on how to step your ally game up while still being authentic to who you are. Thank you, Alexis. This was, uh, was beneficial. We'll do it again and I'll, I'll see you tomorrow, right? Yes, yes, okay. tomorrow. Thank all you. All right. Have a good night. Keep your questions coming. We'll respond to all of them. Thank you.